Canuck Central in the Kintec studio at Stan Richo and Satyar Shaw. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Uh, if you missed hour one of the program, we discussed the lack of an increase in the NHL salary cap if that's true or not, and how it affects the Vancouver Canucks. Sad has his doubts. Yes, I do. A lot of doubts. <laughs> I don't trust anything Gary Bettman has to say. He's untrustworthy. Which succession character would Gary Bettman be? That would uh, be a good, uh, <laughs> good discussion to have. This is not a succession podcast, though, so, no, uh, so no. we, we, we will digress. Um, it's Dan Richo at Satyar Shah. We welcome in our next guest kicking off hour number two. It is uh, the legend himself. It's Don Taylor. Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon, check TV, Monday through Friday. Were you a succession guy, Donnie? Or should we, uh, should we put that on your, t- uh, on your list of uh, shows to watch? Uh, put it on the list. I watched the first two episodes. My problem at the time was that I was, um, I was into billions, and I thought it was a little too much the same. So I shelved okay. it, and uh, according to pretty much everybody, I should get back to it and 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 binge it because it's it's very popular and it w- wins everything. It's pretty good. Just yeah. that, like all the characters are uh, unlikable. So you know that's that's one thing you just have to get over. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I just finished Ted Lasso, and which a lot of people have without giving anything yeah. away. But it might have been the opposite. Yeah. Everybody was too likable. Yeah. Very positive show. <laughs> like, like with Coach Nate Shelley there, he, he was evil there after the first at the end of the first season. Then he got good again. Like, come on, you know. I, I thought he, it was a little too goody two shoes for me if they still use that expression. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's Don Taylor joining us here on uh, on Canuck Central. So uh, a lot of discussion today about the salary cap. I know you guys. Uh, you had Elliot Friedman on today. Yeah. Uh, can, can you see a world where the, the Canucks are, are dabbling in NHL free agency this year? Oh, God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I just uh, the ghost of Louis Erickson looms and other, other players. Uh, yeah, I, could I see it? I, I guess. I mean, they, you know, they ventured into Ilya Mikheyev territory last year, but I just... I don't know. I, I, I think that with, with the Canucks, they have to depend on three things this year and forget about free agents. If you can do something, some incredible deal comes their way. And, you know, we hear about Severson out of New Jersey, but may, may, maybe then you, you jump, but they have to depend on three things. Rick Tockett's coaching, uh, you know, Rick Tockett training camp preseason, what kind of impact he can have and, and, and the start of the season. I mean, are they going to lose the first seven games? Maybe it is the Canucks, but you'd have to think that'll be what they'll put a major emphasis on, and then Thatcher Demko being uh, healthy. And I just, I just don't know about wading into free agent waters when you're, you know, when there's a constant cap crunch with this team. Would that be a good idea? Uh, no, no chance. I think they got to focus on those three things, and uh, maybe get I- increased production mm-hmm. or improvement from the likes of Vasily Putkolzin. In other words an improvement from within and, and go from there. 
I just think realistically speaking, it's going to be very difficult for them to clear enough cap space to be a player in that type of free agent market. Yeah. Not only go and, and sign a player like, say, Damon Severson, who's going to get paid $6 million plus, yeah. and, and then go and sign a third-line center. Even if you sign a guy for $2 million, like where are you getting that $8 million from cap space in? So I think that's, I think that's realistic. I don't, I don't think that's realistic anyways. Yeah, I mean, even, even if they clear cap space, could you imagine if they cleared cap space and went out and signed somebody who wasn't working out. I mean, it would be just d- disastrous. I think, you know, like as much as this market would like to see the team pull off of Florida, I don't know if that's that, that's uh, r- realistic, but the last thing they want is to see them, you know, clear cap space, spend money on somebody who isn't worth what they uh, give them again, and have the same problems all over again. I mean, it'd be the worst, you know, uh, the, the worst possible scenario for them. Yeah, it would be uh it would be tough. You know, even if you think about like if you sign another long-term contract to this group. Like forget about this upcoming season. But you also have to sign Elias Pettersson to a long-term contract yeah. extension. Yeah. Philip Peronic is going to need a long-term contract. You would expect he's going to need a, a long-term <laughs> contract extension after they just traded for him. So, you know, they've got other things that they've they've got to add on to the books and even as much as the salary cap might increase over the next three, four, five years, you know, do you want to just be spending all that capital right now is, is probably the way, I mean, that's the way I would look at it, but yeah. uh, I've thought differently from this front office on more than one occasion already, Donnie. Yeah, no. And, and when you mentioned a the name there, Philip Peronic, and we really don't know how, how good he's, we have an idea, but there is the shoulder yeah. issue and it certainly gave up a lot for him, but, what about the pleasant problem of him having an outstanding year and then having to buck up for him and not being able to because they overpaid a free agent? So I just and plus there's the whole Pedersen situation. I realized they you know they they get a little cap room with Myers at the end of the year uh, or maybe before that. But that you know you you would hope that they have the pleasant problem of Peronic working out really really well this season and them having to buck up for him. So they got they got to think of that as well. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the kind of big picture thing, right? And, you know, we'll see ultimately what the team does. But I just think as much as we're sitting here and talking about all these really complex scenarios and everything, I think we're just going to see some good old-fashioned hockey deals this offseason, whether it's Vancouver and elsewhere. Because, you know, I mean, even the Debrinket thing, like, you look at his situation, and it looks unlikely that they're going to be able to get the value they got back in draft capital. So what's the best way to move forward, make a trade for another player? And I just wonder if that's what we see from Vancouver as well, where they make a couple swaps and get guys back with some term, but at least they address different needs potentially. Yeah, and, you know, send somebody of equal value or the, uh, um, a comparable contract the other way. Like you say, a, a good old hockey trade. I, I think people would be okay with that. It all depends on what they do on the ice, but initially they'd be okay with, with that. But, you know, to go out and, you know, hunt down a free agent and overpay him would just be just, just absolutely horrid. Don Taylor, our guest here on uh, on Canuck Central. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, interesting stories around the league, and, and the other one is trade speculation, not around um, Alex Zabrinkat, but... Connor Hellebuck, Donnie, and it's uh, it's interesting because you look at the, the the two Stanley Cup finalists here, and you know one goalie yeah. is a guy on a overpaid contract that basically everybody but himself had written off and not expected much of anything from, and the other guy is Aiden Hill, who was uh, probably fifth on the depth chart for the Vegas Golden Knights at one point or another this year. It 
for those reasons, it, it makes it very difficult for me to be okay with, you know, committing a high value trade asset to go trade for a Connor Hellebuck type or, you know, wanting to spend in free agency uh, like, you know, the Florida Panthers did with a Sergei Bobrovsky. Have we, um, I, we all know goaltending is incredibly valuable and you need it to win a Stanley Cup. But I think we're all trying to reevaluate how much we'd be willing to spend when we pay when we play armchair GM. Yeah, it's funny because Bobrovsky is making ten million dollars a year, but yeah. he's in the strange position of making or, or having an average annual value of, of ten million dollars a year, and kind of being the underdog. Like no, mm-hmm. no, nobody saw this coming. And then and then you, you think of the two goaltenders; they're both replacement goaltenders. You know, they didn't start out as number one goaltenders in either of their team's uh, playoff drives. And here they are leading the way. And look what Aiden Hill did in, in the last game. This stuff hasn't happened, I think, since the late 60s and the, the days of Gump Worsley and Rogie Vashon. And, and, you know, when Rogie Vashon was a young goaltender, I'm, I'm mentioning some old names that I'm sure are going way over people's heads. And I, I apologize for, for that. But, yeah, I mean, do you do you, do you you need to spend? I mean, it's, it's weird with Bobrovsky because – Started a you know out as a backup goaltender, and I guess if he ends up winning the Stanley Cup, if they come back and win, I guess you could say it's worth it to spend ten million dollars. It's just there's no way they saw this this being the path. No no chance. Yeah. Where he was a complete disappointment, and it started this playoff drive as a backup. Uh, there's no way. I just it, it, things have changed in terms of bucking up for, for a goal. I I, I wonder about, about Hellebuck, and you know could could would Edmonton come calling for him i just you know you, what was the difference between and like again who would have guessed with aiden hill but you know you know Stuart skinner when he get pulled three times in that series mm-hmm. yeah. i just i just wonder if that might be a, a possible landing spot for him who knows yeah i mean you know we'll see ultimately what happens but i find it you know always fascinating this time of year we talk about the teams in the cup final and we always talk about the things they've done and and how they've gotten there and and sometimes, Donnie, not to oversimplify things, isn't it just based purely based on luck, really? Like, what's the biggest determining factor? Like, I'm sure you know how you play as a team, yes, and, and obviously getting some saves and all that. But, like, when it comes to just things going your way, isn't that maybe the biggest determining factor for teams getting far? And, and we sit here and talk about how to get there, and it's like, well, sometimes you just need things to break your way as well. Yeah. I think in this age of parity, there's a lot of validity to that, where everything's just so even. I mean, look at that first game. Uh, as as athletic yeah. and as remarkable as that Aiden Hill save was, it, it, it was lucky too. Uh, you know, he, you know, he, Cousins just happened to put the puck along the ice, and and Hill was able to, you know, again be athletic and quick enough, and you know, solid enough to make to make that save. And a lot of that boils down boils down to luck. I think you got to have the foundation of a very good hockey club. Yes. Of course. But then, you know, in this day and age of parity, obviously luck's going to play, play a part, too, and part of luck is being healthy as well. How should we feel about Vegas being in the cup final again? And looks like they're going to win it. I mean, I, I, I picked them yeah. at the start of the series here, Donnie, but, you know, Canucks yeah. have been around for all these years and have made three <laughs> cup finals, lost them all, and here's Vegas, second time around in, what, their sixth year of existence? Yeah. It's it's tough. I I heard a stat the other day. I think it was on 650. It must have been. It was good. And it was like <laughs> I think 79 percent of teams that win <laughs> that win the first game in a Stanley Cup final go on to win the, the Stanley Cup final. 
And then he got the Canucks, who, uh, you know, they won the first game in 94, and they won the first game in, in, in 2011. And we all, all know what uh, uh, what happened there. But, uh, yeah, it just uh, it's, uh, it, it's frustrating. I don't have as much problem with Vegas winning this year, obviously, as I would have the first year. I've, I've made this point before, and a lot of people have come back at me uh, regarding uh, the point. But the Flyers were the first expansion team to win a Stanley Cup. The, the 66, oh, pardon me, the 1967 expansion team, they were the first to win the, the Stanley Cup. They did it in their seventh year, and no one really complained then. They were legitimately the best team. This is the Knights' sixth year. It, it feels mm-hmm. a lot better if indeed they win than it would have, especially for Canuck fans and fans of the Sabres and teams like that, if they had won in their, their first year. So I don't have as much a problem. Plus, the other thing, too, is that they haven't stood pat. They've, yeah. they've made some really bold, interesting moves. They've gone for it, and, it, and, it's, and it's re- they've been smart about it, and it's really worked out. So them winning in their sixth year wouldn't bother me as much as the first year. Not, not even close. Yeah. You know what? You know what I was just thinking? I mean, we keep talking about, you know, um, who gets emboldened by watching teams play well. I, I think the person and maybe the league has been most emboldened by seeing how Vegas has been this successful as an expansion team, seeing Seattle be successful, you know, two years into their expansion process. And I think that's the, the leading factor why we're already hearing, Donnie, the league is going to expand to Houston potentially, maybe even Atlanta. That was something that was dropped today and yesterday that perhaps Atlanta is a, t- a city we have to look at again. I, I think what's happened is the league seen how profitable these two teams have been and now they can look at the success Vegas had and sold it. And I think they're they're going to strike while the iron is hot here with more expansion teams. Doesn't it look that way? Well, uh, you know what? I haven't heard as much as you have, but you know what? We're talking. They're pushing two billion dollar billion and a half. Yeah. For doing nothing. Mm-hmm. For saying, yeah, go ahead, guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and if you're an owner, that that, or you're Gary Bettman, that's got to be pretty attractive. I, I would, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Atlanta would surprise me. I just don't. I don't get that. You know, Houston, Salt Lake, and even Quebec City, I think, might be better choices, just because. What are you going for a hat trick of failure in that city? <laughs> like, really? But uh, it, it, financially, money-wise, nothing would surprise me with this group. I think uh, the NHL is just getting jealous of uh, MLS and how much uh, they've they've been expanding. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, hey, we can cut all these checks and we'll be we'll be good. It'll it'll work yeah. out. We'll figure out a way. Well, that, you know what surprised me uh, surprises me about that as they delve into the past again is that the death knell of the North old North American Soccer League was that they, they too many teams. They expanded yeah. way too quickly. It seems like every time you turn around, there's a new M- MLS team. So um, it's, a, it's, it's a bit surprising in that I seem to remember when it first started and, you know, MLS had like, what it would have one, one owner that owned all the franchises. And one of the promises, well, we're not going to expand as quickly as the NASL did. And look what we've got. Now, not, it might all work out. It might all uh, work out, but it's, it's interesting. They seem to be going down the same path. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting spot right now where uh, where MLS is and the continued talk of NHL expansion as well. Uh, one one more quick thought, Donnie. Uh, we saw the yeah. Quebec Rampart win the uh, Memorial yeah. Cup. Would you uh, would you be interested in seeing Patrick Waugh behind an NHL bench again? Well, of course. Um, I, I harken back to his first regular season game when he was with Colorado and he you know was punching the plexiglass trying to get at Bruce yeah. Boudreau. So why why not? I mean he's He's a really different person. I, hey, guys, I made the mistake. And when I was a young reporter and I was you know, in the dressing rooms and all that, 
Game day skate of asking Patrick Waugh for an interview, and I've never felt closer to death. Like he is a <laughs> he is a personality in a, a very intense, frightening kind of way, and he's just got a presence about him that I think you know the NHL could probably sell again. I, I I'd love. To, I think the NHL is better with Patrick Waugh in it. So is the Quebec League. Don't get me wrong. But you get the feeling that maybe he wants another another challenge. Yes, you think he's fifty seven, fifty eight, and young enough that you know he probably might still want another uh, chance. Maybe he's a been there, done that guy. But I think there's enough smoke there that you got to believe there's some fire. There's certainly fire in Patrick's eyes, and uh, having him in the league is is, is a good thing. He's a, he's a dynamic personality in a in a quirky kind of way. I mean, he, he might be one of the most domineering personalities to ever play in the league, right? Like, from that yeah. aspect. I never had a chance, obviously, to be able to interview him and, and being a... And, well, and, well, neither did I, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? Growing up, watching Patrick Roy, I mean, I, it would have been an absolute thrill to have that opportunity. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I, I think what's really incredible about that and, and guys like him is... There's just something about them that terrifies people, right? To your point. And I just keep thinking back to the day Patrick Roy asked for a, for a trade from the Montreal Canadiens. And he was left in and he got shelled that night and he walked over and he said, this is the last game I play for the Montreal Canadiens. Like in, in terms of controversy and in terms of, you know, a chaotic moment. I don't know. Could you imagine if that happened today with a personality like him? Like where a guy oh. walks up to the coach on the bench, you can read his lips saying, this is the last game I play for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, and he went right to the owner. Well, look at where the owner yeah. was sitting. Yeah, it was, it was Ronald Corey, if I'm not mistaken, or the chairman of of Molson's, or whoever it was. I mean, you know, sitting right behind the players' uh, uh, bench in the way the Montreal form was configured, you had that walkway so he could make his way over there to say something to him. It was just great theater. It was just set up so perfectly. You know, giving you know Mario Tremblay the icy stare and <laughs> oh, saluting the crowd and the crowd giving him the rat. It was just such a it was a horrible game, but what a memorable night! What a, what great visuals! I, I, again, I don't think it hurts hockey. I think that those that sort of story really sells. And uh, on he goes to to Colorado and um, you know the former Quebec Nordiques, and he ends up winning a couple of cups there. It was. Uh, just fabulous theater, and yeah, I, I, the league would be better off, be more interesting with Patrick Juan, and I think. Uh, last one for you, Donna. We've got uh, mm. Patio, one of our listeners, uh, asking uh, what you would think about the possibility of Milan Lucic signing back with his hometown club. I know you and Dolly have been talking yeah. quite a bit about this, but uh, Patio wants to hear it. Okay, so you know, I, I, I've met Milan a few times. I, you know, full disclosure, I like the guy. He's just as nice. I know what you see on the ice, and I know the Bruins in 2011 and all that. He's the nicest guy you want to meet. So I, I want to throw that aside. And I know they've got 7 million wingers, you know, some of whom are overpaid. <laughs> I know all of that. I just want to see that building alive again. Yeah. You know, I just want to see something or someone come into that building and spark it up and, and, and you know, um, uh, allow Canuck fans, long-suffering Vancouver hockey fans to have some fun. And to have him being who he is from East Vancouver just seems perfect. Is he as fast or as productive as he used to be? Uh, not a chance. He ain't going to be making $6 million a year. He knows that. I, I just, there's a large part of me that would just love to see it, a large part for the fans. You know, and, and I just finished saying, hey, don't you know, go out and overspend for a free agent. They wouldn't have to overspend for him. I think it would be a whole lot of fun and it might, might help the building and the entertainment value a whole lot. 
Donnie, you're the best. Thanks for this, as always. Always fun, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, there is Don Taylor. Joins us every Monday here on Canucks Central. And uh, I know it was a big topic last week, yeah. Sat, the uh, – the thought of Milan Lucic playing back with the with the uh, Vancouver Canucks. You missed the Lucic wars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's I, like I guess if if he plays like a Wayne Simmons type of role, like th- that he's had with the Leafs the last couple of years. You know what? What harm is it really? Yeah. If he's making if he's making league men, I just don't. I just don't expect him to be a guy that's in a lineup every night anymore. Well, that's the thing. I mean, and that's why I don't. I, I see no issue with signing a guy making less than a million bucks, right? And especially yep. for a team that needs a guy that not only about the toughness stuff, but 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 a guy in the room that can be a bit of a voice and it can provide something. And we've brought up. Pers- you know possibilities like that. I don't think they need Lucic per se, but I think they need a veteran like him on a cheap one-year deal. And wh- whether it's a Ryan Reeves type, I same thing, right? You're talking about a million or less. Doesn't play every day, but has some toughness. Good guy in the room. Will chirp guys. Will talk a little bit. Brings a little something. I think you need that on on like the list of things of priorities. It's lower on the priority list, but it's certainly something that is required by this team. So I'm not against it, but. Man, p- people don't like Lucic. Like, they hate Lucic in this market. It's a real love and hate. I mean, somebody just texted it. I- I'm a big fan of-, of Donnie. I love you, man, but no Lucic. And a lot more of that. But there are some that, that want him here, too, of course, that are-, are for it, like Bowen Burnaby. But I think the biggest thing is, can this team add some leadership and not pay too much for it? You know, th- that's yeah. the thing I'm talking about here, right? Like. Don't go and, and spend all this money on the Beagle types and Roussel types and overpay for it. You want someone like that? Bring somebody in cheap. Uh, Rager on the text box. Dakota Joshua is younger, cheaper, yeah. Lucic, who can skate and has hands. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I don't disagree with any of that. And I'd have Dakota Joshua playing every night. I would not have Lucic playing every night. Whether it's Lucic or, uh, or, Lucic yeah. or not, though, I think this team does need somebody to be, be a bit of a bo- voice and a sounding board in that room, and we'll see if they add one. It's Stan Richo, Satyar Shah. You are listening to Canuck Central.